You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to have Sadie Miller with us to talk about her mother, Elizabeth Sladen, who played Sarah Jane Smith in Doctor Who as well as in the Sarah Jane Adventures, and I suppose in K9 and Company also. But also, um, she will talk about playing Sarah Jane herself now at Big Finish with both the third Doctor Adventures and the fourth Doctor Adventures. Sadie was very generous with her time, and we had a good time talking about all of those things, and so I hope that you like the interview as much as I had giving it. And since this is an interview episode, we are not going to have an outro. We are just going to end at the end of the interview. So I'm just going to plug that if you have any comments or questions or want to give us suggestions on other people that you would like for us to interview, you can do that by either emailing us at everything at 42cast.com, going to our website at 42cast.com, going to Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast, or by going to either Instagram and Twitter and contacting us at 42cast. You can also leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. But with all that being said, let's get to the interview as soon as possible. But first, as always, we're going to pause for a promo from another fine podcast, and then we are going to get to our interview with Sadie Miller. For the past 12 seasons, Mike and Mike have been bringing you a weekly look at all things geek with reviews, discussions, interviews, and topicals from across the geekosphere. Now with geek life slowly returning to normal in 2021, join the Earth Station One crew as we look at the return of the summer movie season, preview the fall TV lineup, look at all the big conventions now happening along with other geek topics. You can listen to Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found. And as always, Earth Station One is a founding member of the ESO Network. And we're back. And like I mentioned at the top of the show, we have with us today the daughter of Elizabeth Sladen, who played Sarah Jane Smith in Doctor Who, and who now plays Sarah Jane Smith herself in Big Finish's Third Doctor Adventures and Fourth Doctor Adventures, and that is Sadie Miller. Sadie, welcome to the 42 cast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's really great to have you here. I saw that you were at Chicago TARDIS, you know, and I talked to you there, and I just thought I I have to jump at this opportunity to have you on the show. (laughs) Oh, no, it was great. Nice to meet in person because it's been so difficult to, you know, meet anyone at the minute. So it was really cool because normally you just 
chat on a screen nowadays, don't you? Mm -hmm. So it's great to connect properly. Yeah, I was really happy they did Chicago TARDIS this year because last year they weren't even able to do it. It was completely a virtual convention. Oh, wow. Yeah, so this year they did it. And so, yeah, it was great so that we could go face to face, not only with guests like yourself, but also just seeing people that I see at cons usually every year and being able to connect with them. So that was really nice. But just starting off, I just want to say I am a big fan of your mother. She was the first companion that I saw. Of course, being here in the United States, we saw Doctor Who out of order from what was being shown in the UK. And I started actually with Seeds of Doom. Oh, a great, a great story, a, a scary one. Someone yeah. was telling me that apparently you guys kind of saw it as almost like a feature, that there were no episode breaks. It was just one long. <laughs> yes. So, so that varied by location in the country. But yeah, where I lived oh, in Florida, they did show that each serial was like a movie. And so oh, Seed wow. to Doom was a movie and then you had Mask of Mandragora as a movie and so on and so forth. So that was how I experienced it. So to me, I tend to not watch them episodically. I just binge through a whole serial because to me, that's just <laughs> how it feels natural. Sure. I think, uh, yeah, no, I think that's quite a good idea, actually, because they do run nicely together. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so let's get started on the questions. Growing up, do you remember becoming aware that your mother was this famous actress who had done this thing that a lot of people were devoted to? Or was it just something that was always in the background? <laughs> sure. So I think by the time I'd come along, my mum's career had kind of sort of waned a bit and she wasn't really doing as much work. So I kind of more felt that I had like a stay at home mum and she would come and help with my school. And it was very sort of just on a mum level. And then when I got a bit older, kind of six or seven, and we would go to the conventions, I started to realise like, ah, (laughs) there's this other other whole side of it where, um, you know, she she was part of this Doctor Who universe and people still love it. And it's such a huge part of other people's lives. And that's when I kind of Um, got into it a bit more but I never even now I never really think of her as being famous I I don't know (laughs) (laughs) well that was one of the things I was curious about like you know when you grow up with somebody you know it's like well it's just you know that's who she is and that's not she's nothing special right you know so did you watch Doctor Who episodes when you were younger I mean, not massively, like not of my own volition, particularly. My mum would kind of, we would watch them sort of um, a little bit together. Um, But it was never something that I was, you know, had a passion for and really wanted to see. But because she was involved with it and seeing the conventions, it kind of made me a bit more curious, like, oh, you know, what what actually is this this show like, you know? Um, So I used to watch it a bit. I remember watching Pyramids of Mars quite a lot. Um, I think that was my my favourite one growing up, just because I think as a child... It kind of has that Egyptology, like a little bit of Indiana Jones kind of thing that I, I really enjoyed. And I think that Sutek is a very scary monster for, for little children to connect with. So I remember watching that quite a lot when I was younger, definitely. Yeah, and it's got sort of that puzzle aspect in the sort of towards the end of it, too, where they have to solve the puzzles to get through. And that's sort of like, think about movies like Labyrinth or things like that, that, yeah, you know, kind of yeah. also had some of those riddles or puzzles and things like that. So, yeah, I, I get that. so did she often talk about having been on doctor who and have you know like stories about that or was it basically something like yeah you saw that in conventions but when she wasn't at conventions, she didn't really talk about it yeah i mean i think she kind of put it in a box and she never really discussed it that that much with me i mean i think um in her her book she kind of was able to collate the various stories and things that had happened but 
with me, like she, yeah, she never really used to, to talk about it. I think she very much felt that it was a part of her life that had been a, a great fun time, but that it had sort of finished. Um, so no, considering sort of how big a part of her life it is and her, her legacy, we didn't really talk about it very much at all. <laughs> I wish I had now, you know, I wish I'd asked her a few more questions about it really. Yeah, I mean, she was, uh, I believe, the longest running companion ever with three and a half years on the show. So you consider that and the sort of the fact that she had this longevity with the program. So for Doctor Who fans, she's a big presence. But also, yeah, I would think three and a half years on a show is a pretty good run for any actor's oh, yeah. career. Definitely. That's interesting that she didn't really talk about it much sort of afterwards. Was she close to any of her co-stars after the show, like uh, Nick Courtney or Tom Baker or John Pertwee or any of them? Did you see them around or was it something like, okay, at conventions, I would see these people that knew mom, but not away from conventions? Sure. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, um, I've had people ask me before, like, oh, were there like Doctor Who parties at your house growing up with all the cast there? And um, I, I never met any of them really on a social level. I mean, obviously Ian died before I was, well just after I was born. Um, but his wife, I think her name is Matty, lived quite close and she would come over sometimes. I remember she would come and see my mum. But no, I, I don't think I ever remember seeing, certainly not John or Tom or anyone coming over. Um, but then once mum started doing Sarah Jane, I found some postcards in her wardrobe from Tom that he'd written her saying that he'd watched the Sarah Jane adventures and... Um, you know, sending her good luck and, you know, really just nice little cards and stuff. I suppose, um, I don't know if you would want me to, to show them to anyone, but um, in general, no, no one, no one coming to the house, no exciting encounters, unfortunately. Now, when you went to conventions, though, I mean, did you ever meet, I mean, I'm sure you did probably meet some of her co-stars and were there ever any fun stories or anything just of you meeting anyone else that was associated with the show? Sure. I mean, I used to go obviously a lot when I was younger, so I got mm -hmm. to meet John John Pertwee, which was lovely. I mean, I um, absolutely adored, adored him, you know, when I was a little girl because he's so gregarious and so outgoing and he would tease me a bit and um, he would let me sit on his knee when he was doing signings and things and he was so... I just remember him being so warm and so generous. And I remember <clears throat> when my mum told me that he died, it was the first moment of really feeling like, wow, that's someone I'm never going to see again that I would love to have connected with, with more. Um, with Nick Courtney, I just remember him always being sort of sat by himself quite stoically, quite sort of Leatherbridge Stewart <laughs> in real life, really, kind of how I, I remember him being. Mm. And then... I don't think Tom did a lot of the conventions, did he? I, I think he did one in America. And my mum said he had to stay in a different hotel. He wouldn't stay in the same hotel as everyone else. I don't know why. But no, I, I think because I was so young, I don't really, I didn't really get to engage a lot in any of the, the hijinks that were going on. All right. No, that makes perfect sense. So how did you get involved with the uh, more than 30 years in the TARDIS documentary? Was that something where just one day you came home and your mother said, oh, we're going to do this thing? <laughs> or was it something where you were asked, do you feel comfortable? You know, like sort of that kind of thing. Oh, gosh, no. Like it was literally my mom being like, so this weekend we're, we're going to go down and <laughs> we're going to do this thing. And here's your little outfit and stuff. And I, I never minded like as, as a child, you know, it was always great fun. And my mum and I had a great relationship. So I always kind of wanted to to please her and go along with what she wanted and that was that was great fun and there was a guy obviously you know dressed as the Sontaran which mm -hmm. is such a I don't know I find I don't know if you find this 
when you're watching Doctor Who, a lot of these monsters, they look a bit kooky and you think, oh, that's not scary at all. And then you see them at a convention or someone is dressed as a Cyberman or as a Centauran. And actually, it's very intimidating. Mm. Um, so it was really cool to get to see sort of a proper Doctor Who monster in the flesh as, as a little girl. Um, but no, it's a, a good experience to have, definitely. Oh, that's cool. Was that your first time actually acting or had you done some acting before? I can't remember, actually. I, I can't remember if it was before or after I'd um, I'd done some other professional work. For me, it all kind of mushes together in like a little time blob in my mind. I'm, I can't remember. Um, but I guess because my mum was there, I felt comfortable with her um, taking the lead. So it was OK. That makes sense. At what point did you realize that you wanted to go into acting as a career? Sure. I mean, I don't think I ever really had um, a light bulb moment of wanting to do it. I think because it was just what my parents did. Um, I just would kind of go along with them to things and go to auditions after school. And it just was part of our, our sort of everyday reality, really. And then um, as I got a bit older and after I went to university, going to drama school, it just kind of um, went went from there, really. But I don't think um, I've ever had... I don't know. I think as a creative person, you just want to be creative all the time. So I was never tied too specifically to one to one idea or not career wise. That's understandable. So were your parents because they were actors, were they encouraging or were they more like, oh, no, this is a really hard life. Maybe you shouldn't do this. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely the latter. Like my, my parents did not really want me to do it. And they wanted me to go to university and um, get my degree and stuff first which is probably very sensible but <clears throat> I think if my children wanted to do it I would just let them do it and then kind of worry about it afterwards because I think if you have no plan b sometimes it works out better because you've just got to make it got to make it work so yes but no they were they were quite against it really <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. As a parent myself, I kind of understand that one too. Yeah. When my kids sometimes tell me about things they're thinking about, and I'm like, hmm, maybe you <laughs> might not, maybe being a YouTuber professionally isn't oh. really a good career. <laughs> no. Oh gosh. Oh yeah. I suppose everyone wants to be a YouTuber now, don't they? Right, exactly. Oh, it's like, I do realize there are some people that make a lot of money with that, but <laughs> you think about the sheer number of people who try. It's not that many, but yeah, no, I, I totally get that. So what do you like about acting? Oh, that's such a good question. I um, I guess it's nice to step out of yourself and get to experience life through someone else's eyes just for a little while. Um, I kind of see, I don't know, I think we all get to, we're all actors on a stage in a way, aren't we? And sometimes you kind of want to even look outside of the fourth wall of your own life and look back in and think, well, you know, hang on, where am I in my life? And is this where I want to go and the people in my life? Do I want to recast <laughs> someone else? You know, um, so I think that's definitely always been the draw for me that life is very short and you kind of want to experience as many things as possible. And I think acting is a great, great way to do that. Um, not just internally, you know, being able to create other people's lives, but meeting so many people and traveling. It's, it's great in that regard, I think, definitely. Do you have an ideal role or a type of role that you like playing? Not particularly. I mean, I think for me now, I'm more focused on writing. So um, that's kind of more where my, my energy is going at the moment. Um, but I think just any time you get to be creative for me is, is so, so joyous. And I try and just enjoy, enjoy whatever comes, comes my way, really. It's good to be able to express that creativity. I completely understand that because... 
I'm someone more that I feel like I have all this stuff that I want to do and I just never have the time to do it. So you know, I feel like I've got a lot of pent up creativity. So I, I completely understand oh, that desire. It's hard, definitely. And when you're a parent, it's hard, isn't it? To find right. the space in your life for yourself. Totally. So what are your other interests? So you, you mentioned writing and acting, obviously, but uh, what other interests do you have? I'm very interested in spirituality and sort of tarot and astrology. I feel it kind of, um, I guess, intensified during the pandemic, how connected we all are and how um, even if there's certain aspects of things you don't believe, they can still affect you whether you realize it or or not. Um, But otherwise, I I guess I love traveling and going away and exploring um, and having my, my children now, you kind of get to do it through through them and have your own almost second childhood I guess kind of getting to see all the things that you love but seeing it again through their eyes and that's been been really amazing and I'm trying to get better at cooking really because I my mum was a very good cook um not in a chefy way but a good home cook and I'd love to to get better so that's what I'm trying to use you know my free time to do to try out some new recipes and stuff but Nothing overly, nothing overly exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. What kinds of things do you like to read? Oh, that's so interesting. I love reading like autobiographies, biographies. I I really find like sometimes hearing other people's life stories can be so enriching because it makes you feel less alone and you can kind of see different ways of doing things. I read a lot of spiritual books as well, a lot of astrology stuff, um, stuff about tarot and then I don't know. I, I found that I read literary fiction less and less. I find a lot of it has become quite commercialized. So you'll you'll kind of read a review, see a cover and, you know, think this looks like a good read and get into it. And actually, it's maybe not quite what you're expecting. So I guess I read more nonfiction stuff, really. Do you enjoy science fiction as a genre? I do and I don't. I think that science fiction is such a wide genre like I love Ray Bradbury but to me that I never think of it as being science fiction of course it is and then I I obviously really enjoy Michael Crichton and again you can kind of see the sci-fi elements coming in there so I guess I'm not a traditional sort of say Star Wars Star Trek kind of umbrella science fiction fan but I think as a genre it's it's so wide-reaching isn't it and Mm -hmm. it can take you anywhere which is super exciting so I think I do yeah definitely it's actually interesting that you bring up that it's so wide ranging because yeah, there are certain genres that sort of become an umbrella, don't they? Because there's so many subtypes, but also you can sort of combine them. Like you can do a mystery in a sci-fi setting. I just saw a movie that was trying to do like crime noir, but in like a sort of near future setting and stuff like that. So, you know, mix and match, you know, so it's kind of interesting like that. So getting back to your mother and, and sort of as you were younger, but getting a little bit older, your mother came back to the role of Sarah Jane with the BBC audio plays Paradise of Death and Ghosts of Space. And so do you remember that time when she went to do those? Was that a big deal or was that just something, oh, that's just some work mom did? Yeah, I mean, I think that was very low, low level. I think she um, just kind of, I was at school and she would go off to work. It was very, you know, it was never sort of a big reconnection with the character. I can't remember any sort of, interviews surrounding it or you know people talking about it at all really I think it kind of slipped under the radar for my for my understanding anyway I don't know if it was different for the fans if it was received 
as like a resurgence with the character I don't know were those the ones with John and Nick Courtney as well yes. yeah I remember the pictures with mum in that sort of weird like the yellow beret mm. when they're all peeking around the TARDIS but I don't really know much about um those stories so I want to make sure that I get this right because this is something that I heard from Chicago TARDIS and I wanted to ask you further about it because it was something that kind of tweaked my interest you had mentioned because you were talking about portraying your you know portraying Sarah Jane yeah in the different audios and that you kind of had to play it differently whether you were working on a third doctor adventure versus a fourth doctor adventure and you had mentioned that your mother was a bit more relaxed with Tom than she was in the early days with John and I believe you had mentioned that you didn't feel that your mother felt that John was welcoming her was that just something that you just sort of think based on her performance or was there some story around that where your mother didn't feel that she was very welcome in those early days? I don't think it was necessarily that she wasn't welcome, but Tom, what am I talking about? Tom, Tom, John, Tom, Tom. Um, John Pertwee was very, very close to Katie Manning. So when Katie left, there was like a grieving period, I think, where he really missed Katie and they were on location for something. I I guess it must have been Time Warrior. I can't I can't think what else it would have been for when John called my mum, Katie. And um, it, there was just this kind of undertone that she was kind of stepping into someone else's shoes. But I don't think she was made to feel unwelcome. But it was just more that new kid in school thing where sometimes the, the cool kids maybe take a <laughs> bit longer to warm up. Whereas when Tom came on the scene as the new doctor, my mum was aware that he would feel that. So she... I think, made sure to get on with him, you know, make that extra effort so that he didn't feel the way that she she had felt. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, because, yeah. again, I mean, obviously, you know, she worked with John later with these plays, and uh, even in The Five Doctors, uh, she came back and worked with John. So I was very curious about that when I heard that, because I was like, oh, I'd never heard anything about that before. They, they did become really good friends, and they did a tour around America, John and his wife Ingeborg, and then my mum and, and my dad, and they were really good friends, but I think it just took a moment to <laughs> kind of get, get to know one another. Yeah, I understand. So how did it come about that you got involved in the Sarah Jane Adventures with Big Finish? I honestly don't know. <laughs> I just remember like my mum talking about it, and then suddenly I, I was doing it with her, really. But yeah, we would never talk about it particularly or we wouldn't rehearse together at home we would just go to the studio and and do it like a normal job really so yeah I kind of got um got swept along a bit I think by by my mum doing those I don't have a huge amount of memory of doing them so I would love to re-listen back to them and just Mm. see if it kind of you know sets anything off was that your first time working with your mother aside from that very brief more than 30 years in the TARDIS yes it was the the one and only time yeah so how did that well, I guess you said you didn't remember much from it. <laughs> was that it was like either exciting or was it uncomfortable or was it just like, oh, mom's here. Like I have to really be like, make sure that I hit everything precisely. No, it was, it was really just really fun and really relaxed. And um, the director, Gary Russell, was someone I've known since I was very young as well. So it just felt like a nice kind of family and everyone getting along together. And um, Jez Fielder, who played the other sort of main main lead character as well is really you know a nice guy and good fun so no it was just very relaxed really oh that's excellent so then we get up to doctor who coming back in uh you know 2005 and then your mother uh the following season had the school reunion episode and so 
do you remember like obviously you were an adult by that point uh, was that something where your mother talked to you about and told you oh i'm gonna be back on doctor who or anything like that or was it just something that you sort of found out about afterwards that oh mom's doing this now oh yeah i mean my mom and i were really really close i would talk to her every day so i i knew what was happening and and the context of her meetings and stuff and i think she was she was quite quite nervous about it, and um, I remember going through going through the script with her. But I was at university as well at the time, so um, I didn't go down to Cardiff when they were filming. Or maybe we did actually, my dad and I. But I never went onto the set or anything, so I, I was very aware of it. And obviously, she was nervous. And then when it came out and it was so well received, obviously that was really really cool because um, yeah, I think my mum was just nervous about what people would would think so many years later of an unknown quantity but no I, I I did know I did know about it definitely was there talk of a spin-off right off the bat or was that something that came later just after that episode had there had been a great reaction to it and then it was kind of like oh maybe we should bring you back and do the series yeah I, I think it was later um <clears throat> from what I can remember they did the school reun- reunion episode and it aired and then mum went for another dinner with I think Russell and Phil Collins and the producer, and then they kind of pitched it to her as a, a whole series then was, is my understanding of it from my mum. But um, as you say, like I was off doing my own bits and bobs here and there. So I'm not always sure of the chronology, but I think that sounds right. Yes. And so with the series, now that she had the had school reunion under her belt, did you feel like she was a lot more confident about coming back as Sarah Jane and doing a series? Or was there still that sort of hesitation and fear that, okay, well, they liked it once. Well, they like it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Oh, gosh, I think she was really anxious. I mean, it was a, a huge opportunity. And I think my mum was 60, maybe. So it was like, what? This is like a resurgence at this time in my life. Like, I don't think it was anything that she had ever expected would, would happen. So she was definitely nervous. And um they obviously had such, you know, cool people. Samantha Bond being the first villain in the Invasion of the Bane episode. But I think once um, once she got down to Cardiff and she saw the Bannerman Road house, which is obviously this beautiful big house, and they, you know, everyone was staying in these same flats in Cardiff. I think I can't remember who was who who else was filming at the time, but it just felt like a lovely, well-oiled machine, and she felt very safe with with them. And um, when she saw the the set for the attic, you know, it felt very real, you know, very cinematic. And I think after that point, she felt more comfortable, really. And so what was that like for you, for your mom to get her own show? She's the star of the show. And now she is a regular on a, on a show and has a big career. A lot of people are watching her. It was so lovely. I mean, it was, I think, after Sarah Jane, it was kind of funny, really, because her career sort of never really topped that. And I think that she had always not resented it, but I think she'd always hoped that it might lead to something else. Her career might go in a different direction as everyone does, you know, people, you always want to find like enduring success, I guess, whatever you do. And so I think she never thought that she would come back to that character and then to have so much success as that character again, I think it was very surreal, but she was so happy to be doing, doing it. And it was so lovely to see her excel and do something so, so well. That was, that was wonderful for me to to see her do that. It was brilliant. Did she ever talk to you about why she thought that the character had endured? Because again, I mean, I talked about, uh, you know, the fact that she had been the longest running companion on the series, but also she came back to it more times. And, you know, there's K9 and Company, The Five Doctors. She did those audio plays with BBC, then with Big Finish. And then, of course, 
having her own series and being in the new Doctor Who series. So did she ever talk to you about why she felt like she thought that Sarah Jane was such a prominent character? No, never. I mean, I think she was always grateful that people still wanted to employ her. So <laughs> she never kind of looked into the more like esoteric meanings behind it. Why do people like this character? I don't know. I think I think Sarah Jane as a character came at the right time where people wanted that kind of um, season change of a more sort of independent woman companion who wasn't just yes, no, doctor, whatever. And then obviously coming in with John and Tom and Tom obviously being such a popular doctor as well, it kind of caught that wave. And I think right place, right time a little bit, maybe, I don't know. I sometimes wonder what it must be like to be some of the other companions, you know, because they're all so great, you know, and deserve their moments in the spotlight as well. I wonder how, how that must feel sometimes, I don't know. So what do you feel? I mean, you mentioned a little bit about why you felt like Sarah Jane was popular at the time and sort of the changing and everything. But now you've had a chance to actually portray Sarah Jane. I know you've seen at least some of your mother's stories on the TV. So what do you think is the reason why the character endures beyond just being, oh, sort of right for the time in 1970s? Sure. I think she as a character can connect with an audience because she she is vulnerable and she has compassion and she is this fish out of water as everyone else is listening to it, you know, going along with the doctor and she's, yeah, she's not afraid to make a mistake or do something wrong or empathize with, with the villain, you know, find that, that silver lining and that compassion, but she's obviously still very feisty and very fiery. So she's not just a pushover. So I think there's lots of dimensions within her that people can relate to in, in lots of different, different ways. That's what I've always thought anyway. Mm. So was your mother aware that she was sick while she was doing the Sarah Jane adventures? I don't really know. It wasn't something that we ever really discussed as a a family, particularly. What did you think about the fan reaction to your mother's passing? Oh my gosh. I mean, so overwhelming. Yeah. I sometimes wish obviously (laughs) that my mom was here to see it because I don't think she would, she would, um, she would believe really that it, that there was such a, you know, um, an outpouring really. And I remember going to, you know, our local news agents or whatever, and she was on like the front of the newspaper and stuff. It was, it was utterly bizarre. Yeah. I don't think she would have expected it, but I think she'd have been very, obviously very, very touched by it. So how did it come about that now you're playing Sarah Jane on Big Finish? Yeah. So the, producers just emailed me one day completely out of the blue I had no idea that they were even thinking of doing it so it was completely a surprise really and then we went down and we recorded the first one which was the Cyberman story and then they told me afterwards you know would I be interested in doing some more and it's just kind of gone from there really so it just it was really out of the blue I had absolutely no idea that they were thinking about it at all. Did you have any trepidation about stepping into your mother's shoes to to play the character? Oh, definitely. I mean, I I still do, really, you know, because she's such a well-loved character and there's that balance of taking on a well-known character, but then also wanting to make sure that it's in line with my mum's performance because that's what the the context is. So, yeah, it's um, it's a bit nerve-wracking, but I think Big Finish are very supportive so you can kind of enjoy it as well. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to me just as a fan because there have been several other children of Doctor Who actors who have been asked and the reactions range quite a bit between 
oh my God, no, like, I don't want to, you know, do what my father did. You know, I mean, I think Sean Pertwee kind of famously was like, I never want to be compared to my father like that. But yeah, no, I, I find that interesting, the thought process behind it. So do you have a process for getting into the character of Sarah Jane? Not anything specific. I try and in the mornings before we record, because I record a lot at the moment at home, is just rewatch her old episodes. So you can kind of hear the voice and the period and the vernacular and the pacing and that kind of thing. And it kind of gets into your muscle memory a little bit more. But that, that's the main way, really. And because we obviously like recording at home and stuff, you don't meet anyone, but you also don't have any rehearsal period. So you do your, your, your read and then the next go round is the take. So you kind of always have to leave that room for what your director wants and what the other actors want to do with their performance as well. So I think it's kind of being prepared, but also just being prepared to go with the flow as well. So are you all on like a Zoom call together or are you just doing your lines and then that gets put together with everybody else's lines? Yeah, so we use um, a software. I think it's a software, maybe it's not. It's it's basically called Clean Feed where you can all link up, but you can't see each other. So I can hear in my, my headphones the director and the other cast and then you obviously know your cues and whatever but you can't see anyone so it does feel very disembodied just lots of voices <laughs> which is a bit strange but it does it does seem to work quite well now when you did the first two that you did return of the cybermen and the devil's Prince, were those before covid or were those also where you're doing it at your home so the cyberman story was pre-covid so that was november 2019 so we were all able to still be in a room and chat to each other, which was lovely. And then Devil's Hoof Prince was after COVID. I think that was maybe a year later, maybe November 2020. It's difficult. I lose track now of, of time. Yeah, I just yeah lose track of it all now. So, it, yeah, it is definitely very different getting to record in person and remotely. Yeah. Do you find that it helps you to see other people's expressions or things like that, even, you know, as you're doing the recording? Yeah, definitely. I mean, and you miss like the banter and stuff and just getting to know people in in like the breaks and things. So it's much nicer when you can go to a studio. But at the same time, obviously, it's nice to have the option to do it from home because obviously it's, it's difficult sometimes to be able to get to, to a studio, have long days there and then get back home. So nice to, to mix it up a bit. Yeah. Was that your first time meeting Tom in person when you did the Cyberman story? No, so I have I have met him a few times. Um, I guess at conventions, maybe not conventions, maybe just more. Um, I don't know, like events and things, because he doesn't really do conventions, does he, Tom? No. I don't think. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure when I would have met him, but I, I definitely remember as a child, like periodically, sort of being introduced to him and things. So um, I have met him a few times, but I think he's very much sort of the character of Tom Baker as you see him. So I, I still feel I don't really know who Tom is, even mm-hmm. though I've met him a few times. He kind of plays his cards close to his chest, I think. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've heard the same thing from others. So yeah, I, I completely understand that. Yeah, he's he's performing even when he's not performing. Yeah, very, very that, definitely. You were also working with Christopher Naylor, who was playing Harry Sullivan. And so he was also coming in portraying a character for the first time that had been played on screen by a different actor. And so how was that explained? Did you sort of get together as sort of like, oh, like we're the, <laughs> you know, we're the <laughs> companions, you know, like yeah. redo companions. And, you know, how was that like? 
Oh, it was awesome. I mean, Chris Vanela is such a nice guy, such an accomplished actor. And um, I think in person, he has a very kind of, even though he doesn't look exactly like Ian Marta, he has kind of a, a similar gentlemanly quality to him. Um, and he's, yeah, he was lovely to work with, so easy. So yeah, we sat on the sofa in, um, in the green room down at Audio Sorcery and got to know one another. And yeah, he was lovely. And obviously, you know, very, very good. He really sounds like like Harry so it um, obviously made it all easier when you're hearing all the voices in your head and they sound as you want them to it kind of makes it easier I think definitely yeah no I mean listening to it it does it sounds great because you can always tell that it's not the same person but when you can hear those mannerisms and the cadences of the actor that's really as a fan what I want because I know that you're never going to 100% just sound exactly like it and so both of you I think did a did a really great job on that since you had the at-home recording when you did the one with Tim, so have you not really uh, gotten to know Tim or have you met him before or uh, have you had any sort of interactions with him? I've never met Tim in a studio, but we did a convention in Oldbourne where they filmed, I think it's The Demons, is it? I'm not sure. It's a John and Katie story. But yeah, so I met him in August last year in person and he's he is lovely. I mean, he's got sort of that naughty twinkle in his eye, you know, like a naughty schoolboy. And he, yeah, he was absolutely just lovely. And again, even, you know, before I'd met him and stuff, just hearing him be John, you know, well, being him, being John, being the third doctor, he's so good, you know, so it made it, made it easy to work together. And yeah, he's a lovely guy. Yeah, I've actually had him on the show and I really enjoyed uh, talking with him. Yes. Aww. So I know as a, as, a, as a kid, you didn't really watch through all of your mother's Doctor Whos, but now have you seen all of them or have you still just sort of seen select ones? I think I must have seen all of them by now. I think I haven't seen, is it downtime? There's like a couple. Oh, yeah, that was like a fan production. It's not actually officially Doctor Who. Oh, isn't it? Oh, okay. Because I've definitely got the VHS at home, but I've never seen that one. But I've seen, you know, Canine and Company and I've seen all the... The John and Tom stories. I think some of them I've probably seen only once, but I've definitely seen definitely seen all of them. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you have seen Canine and Company. So I'm just kind of curious what do you <laughs> what do you think about Canine and Company and why uh, the world wasn't ready for that being a series? <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's obviously a, a quite sort of a camp, I guess. I um. I just think they didn't really know where to go with the character of Sarah and like having Brendan be in there and then Aunt Lavinia and her pal Juno and stuff. And I just think they didn't really know where to put the the focus, really, trying to kind of make Sarah into the doctor. And then Brendan's coming in almost as like her little companion. And then you've got K-9. And I just think they didn't really know where to go with it, really. But I love it. And I love the title sequence. <laughs> it's <just> yes. so silly. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that title sequence. Just sipping wine and... <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, that's something I saw much later in life because they didn't show it as part of, you know, they were just showing Doctor Who when, you know, when I was a kid. And so Canine and Company was not Doctor Who. It was its own separate thing. And so, yeah, I saw it much later in life when it came to DVD and I was kind of like, oh, wow, this is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Nice. But as in everything that your mother does to Sarah Jane, I mean, she was she was wonderful at it. And it was one of those things where I felt like the script kind of let her down rather than anything else. But yeah, so what are, I mean, you mentioned Pyramids of Mars, but what are your favorites of the uh, Doctor Who stories your mother did? 
Oh, that's, that's a really good question. I um, With the John stories, I like Time Warrior. I think, obviously, being her first story, it kind of introduces the character and you kind of get to find, I don't know, I feel like her whole performance of Sarah Jane is kind of in that one story. You kind of get to see a lot of different sides of her, which is maybe why the character continued to be successful because people kind of knew who she was straight away. I can't remember what it's called now. The one with lots of Cybermen and they get stuck in a city and there's Daleks and they've got to go. Oh, oh so Death to the Daleks is, is the one you're thinking of. Well, they, where um, it's John Pertwee and there's another sort of alien creature and they've got to figure out the puzzles mm-hmm. to get into the city. I remember enjoying that when I was a little girl. And also, I quite like the one with the dinosaurs. Is it Invasion of the Dinosaurs? Invasion of the Dinosaurs. Yes, yeah. Because obviously I know that some of it is a bit ridiculous now, kind of watching it back. But I love, like, I love Ray Harryhausen. And to me, that's the closest I can ever imagine, you know, (laughs) my mum being in, like, a, a Harryhausen movie. But I think all the stories, I don't know, when you watch them as a child and then you watch them as an adult, there's always, you kind of get different things from them, don't you? I would love to go back and watch them all properly now, I think as an adult, kind of from start to finish. And I don't know, I guess you spot so many great actors from days past as well, you know, that you would never spot as a child. But yeah, there's quite a few I I enjoy. I'm glad you mentioned the dinosaur invasion because that's one that because those dinosaurs look so awful, (laughs) gets a lot of flack from fandom, but that's one that's really well written and is a really good showcase for your your mother playing that really investigative journalist side that Sarah Jane didn't get to do so much because she was off in space so often. And I really, I really enjoy that one quite a bit and just kind of. Just, just ignore that the dinosaurs don't really look all that great. <laughs> but I get, I get what you're saying about the Harryhausen side of it. If that's something that you really enjoy, then yeah, I mean, that's they look like that. Yeah, totally. Maybe that's why I like it a bit, a bit more. Maybe but that's cool that someone else likes it. No one ever likes it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So what did you think about the stories that you've worked on? You know, you did the Return of the Cybermen and you did the Devil's Hoofprints. And so what do you like? What don't you like about what you've been doing for with Sarah Jane? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the thing with Big Finish is they their storytelling is so diverse. So you have no idea, you know, until you open the script, what is going to happen. And I think that's really exciting for me. And maybe this kind of reflects in the stories that, that I, I like of mums. I prefer when they're on Earth and there's either an invasion or they meet someone from history and it turns out to be something sort of science fiction related more than they're off in space floating around and something evil is is, is happening. Just for me personally, I, I but then I guess I'm not a science fiction purist. So I, I like it when there's maybe a bit more of a historical or a thriller element for me, really. So I guess the same with the big finished scripts. I like it when, I don't know, when, when there's more of a tangible reality. I, I enjoy that a bit more, I think. Okay. And what do you feel is different about the, how you're playing Sarah Jane versus how your mother played it? Gosh, I haven't, I haven't ever really thought about that before. I guess when my mum was playing Sarah for the first time, obviously it was still the 1970s and obviously there was this, the feminist movement, whatever, but it, it was still... Um, a different society than we have today um whereas now I guess I can kind of look back at it through the lens of of history so you can kind of maybe push certain aspects 
of her <clears throat> of her feistiness a bit more and yeah I don't, I don't I honestly don't know really I do try and keep it quite true to how I think my mum would still <clears throat> want her to be portrayed if she was getting to do it herself now you know which would be nice <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting because you, you were talking about the story she did with John Pertwee, and I really love that first season with her, just because it seems like, you know, obviously they cast her against John, right? You know, Tom came later, they didn't know who was going to be the next Doctor, and I feel like she's a very good foil for John's Doctor, in a way where she and Tom are buddies, but she is sort of a nice foil for John's character. She sort of gives as good as she gets. There's a lot of uh, snappy banter and things like that. I really love that side of Sarah Jane. And it sort of diminishes as the fourth Doctor stories go along and she becomes more just his, his buddy. And, and I really love that aspect of it. And so, yeah, that's the feistiness that you mentioned is something that yeah. I really appreciate about the character. So do you have any thoughts about stories you would like to see for Sarah Jane? I mean, I guess it would be exciting to kind of maybe see Sarah pre her adventures with the Doctor to see why she was the way she was and why she ended up sort of traveling with him, sort of a reverse canine and company instead of seeing afterwards, kind of seeing before maybe. I don't know. I mean, I just really enjoy getting to go on the big finish ride and seeing what the writers are coming up with next and I guess it would be nice maybe for her to meet other doctors you know outside of the third and fourth doctor I guess that would be kind of cool because I've only really worked with with Tom and with Tim so it'd be nice to work with maybe some of the other doctors as well oh yeah that would be cool yeah I haven't even I didn't even think about that one If they came to you and said, well, since we have you available to play Sarah Jane, we would really love to do Canine and Company. Would you be interested in doing a Canine and Company audios? Oh, my gosh. P- possibly. I um, I don't know. I guess they'd have to decide, like, why it didn't work the first time around and kind of maybe rejig it a bit. But that would be fine. I'd happily sit in the foreground and sip some wine and plop on a laptop and talk to, to Canine. <laughs> Oh, dear. Yeah, because John Leeson does do the audios with Big Finish also. So, I mean, they have canine available to them. So so it's something that could happen. <laughs> Whether or not they do that, they decide that something <laughs> they want to have happen. It's a completely different, uh, you know, subject. So do you have anything that you, I, mean, I, I know that it's always hush-hush when it's things coming <laughs> up. But are there any hints or anything you can tell us about things we might be seeing or, or hearing, I guess, in the future from Sarah Jane? I don't think I probably can because I'll, I'll get into trouble. Um, but just just that there there will be more, um, and hopefully, yes, just more more adventures and hopefully more opportunities to get out in the world and connect with people and things. It was um, so awesome to get to be at Chicago Tardis and actually chat about what's been going on. Because when you're recording them in your bedroom, you know it feels weird that someone else is going to listen to it. You kind of forget. So <laughs> it's just so nice to get to chat to people and talk about it. Really. Yeah, and we always love having the. I mean, that's that's one of the things that I really like with the conventions now that they are bringing over so many of the actors from Big Finish because before it was pretty much just people who had been on the TV show, you know, and and you maybe you would get somebody from Big Finish. Now it seems like more and more they're bringing in people like Lauren Cornelius came with you to Chicago Tardis, and it's really great to meet because to, as far as I'm concerned. Big Finish has actually produced more episodes than the TV series now. And so it's like, this is just as legitimately 
Doctor Who as the television show. So it's oh, always great. No to... Have they really more? Yeah, oh, more yeah, because they've been doing them since 1999 continuously to now. Oh, wow. <gasps> I had no idea. Yeah, of course, they only had one range in the beginning. It was just <laughs> the ones where they would alternate between Peter Davis and Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy. And it was just one a month. But, you know, now since then, they've exploded and done so many different ranges and everything. There's there's way more than one a month coming out. So, Any other projects that you would like to talk about? Any writings or anything else that people should know about that you're that you're working on right now? Yeah. So I have I have a, a book that I'm working on. I think all writers constantly have have a book that they're working on, but hopefully get that um, finished and out into the world by the end of um, end of the year. And then in March, I also have um, some meetings about a possible script for a horror film. Um, so we'll see, see what happens with that. But um, yeah, just lots of stuff kind of going on in the background. And I, I will obviously let you know when, when things get signed and sealed and stuff. But I think that's just kind of the name of the game, isn't it? You kind of work on stuff until until someone signs on the dotted line. But no, I've got a few things rumbling on, so it's, it's okay. Uh, do you, can you tell us anything about the book that you're working on? Oh, um, probably, probably not at the moment. Um, maybe, maybe a bit further down the line. All right. No, I understand. Well, it's been wonderful having you on the show, Sadie. Uh, really appreciated getting to know you and getting to know your mother a little bit through you. And yeah, thank you for your time. Oh, and you as well. Thank you so much for having me on. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2021. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.